You're listening to a 3CR podcast created in the studios of independent community radio station 3CR in Melbourne, Australia. For more information, go to allthews.3cr.org.au. There is a place where time stands still, where nature is harsh and demanding, where only the quick and the strong and the deadly can survive. This place is no place for civilized man. All you've got to do now is pass the Australian culture test. Three simple questions, three correct answers, and you go through that doorway to the greatest little country. Hi everyone, Annie here for Showreel. I have a couple of interesting tidbits for you today. First up, I spoke to James Mathers from the Digital Cinema Society and then chatted with Alicia Brown. She's from Film Victoria. She's the Production Investment Manager. And uh, we spoke about a project called Originate, which, in their words, is designed to accelerate the development of a slate of creative-led fiction features, turning early draft scripts into production-ready screenplays by aspirational filmmakers who identify with underrepresented groups in our society. Before we kick off, a word from the station. Looking for an easy way to keep up with your annual 3CR subscription? You can now set up an annual debit from your bank account or credit card, and once a year your payment will be automatically deducted. You can cancel at any time and you'll get a reminder each year before payment. Be a constant supporter of Melbourne's precious independent community radio station and set up a recurring payment today. Just go to 3cr.org.au forward slash subscribe. You're with Annie on Showreel. We're starting off with a chat I had with James Mathers. Jim is the founder of the Californian-based but internationally focused membership organisation called Digital Cinema Society, which recently released the educational program Getting Safely Back to Work in the Age of COVID. Now, of course, that's pretty uh, important in America, but it has an effect right across the world. Uh, I spoke to him around St. Patrick's Day just to give you some context to his observation about the Los Angeles cinemas just about to reopen. Can you give my listeners a little bit of a background to what the Digital Cinema Society is? I found it very interesting. Yeah, thank you for asking. Um, It was uh, formed uh, about 19 years ago now. And um, I was, uh, I am a cinematographer and I was at that time uh, starting to shoot some movies on HD, and uh, which was fairly new at the time. And people were asking me to speak about it, and they asked me to go to IBC, and I did that, and I spoke at uh, NAB. And uh, uh, so I was sort of becoming a reluctant uh, expert on it, even though I had spent most of my career shooting uh, 35-millimeter film. Uh, but uh, I noticed that there was a lot of misinformation going around um, and for instance, one of the manufacturers was saying with digital, you don't have to light anymore. And as a cinematographer, that just uh, 
raise my hackles. So uh, I got together with some friends, and as a labor of love, we decided to do a documentary uh, to clear the air and try to put out some objective information. We got um, a lot of people to participate. We got James Cameron, uh, George Lucas, uh, Robert Rodriguez, Alan Davio, ASC, and then some of the people that I was working with in the indie movies, and uh, put it together into a nice little uh, half-hour documentary called Digital Cinema Solutions. But the problem was that even before we could finish it, it was starting to become obsolete. So uh, we distributed 2,000 DVDs free of charge. That was care of uh, Photochem. And then... um, uh, we decided to do an ongoing thing that would sort of live on the web after that uh, so that we could constantly be uh, updating things. And uh, it just sort of grew from there. And now we have members all over the world, uh, mostly in the area of cinematography, because since that was my area of interest, that's the things that I would organize meetings on. And that's what uh, uh, you know, I would write about. And so we ended up getting the following of cinematographers. So we're about 70% uh, cinematographers. And uh, we're all over the world. It's mostly in Los Angeles because when we were allowed to have live events, um, we uh, had those mostly in LA, although we have always tried to do a few in uh, on the East Coast. And, um, and I do go to um, a Europe at least every other year uh, to IBC and we hold some events in Germany and Ireland last year or last time I went there. Um, So, uh, but we also are active on the web. We record everything that we do, all these live events. We have lighting workshops and, you know, lens events. And uh, we also have uh, made a practice of, going to the trade shows and doing little interviews with all the people that have new technology. And when we first started doing that all those years ago, uh, it was us and like at NAB, it was the local TV station. Now you can't take a step without bumping into somebody that's shooting for somebody. But uh, I think I like to say we sort of pioneered that shooting the trade shows. And uh, we, have a system down where we have an editor across the street and uh, we feed him the the cards as they come out of the camera. And then we have these interviews up in about an hour or two after we shoot them so that people that can't make it all the way to Las Vegas can find out what's new at NAB. We do the same kind of thing at Cinegear Expo. And we have uh, meetings at Cinegear Expo always too. You do reviews of the uh, technology? Because I'm sure that must be of yes. great interest to uh, people who work in the field. Yes, and I do. Um, what I like to do, and I think it's an advantage of being um, a cinematographer and a, you know part-time journalist, is that I use the uh, the products on jobs, and uh, so I call it a road test, you know, and. And uh, that that seems to be popular. It's not it's not theoretical. It's you know, you can actually see. I, you know, try to be objective. But I you know, at the <clears throat> with the danger of you know, pissing off the <laughs> the sponsors. Yeah, well, uh, and it's happened. Yeah, well, that's good. That's a good sign if it's happened. <laughs> yeah, yeah. But luckily, we've uh, built up so we have most of the major companies 
in camera lighting and lenses are sponsors so I don't have to show favoritism. I can be objective. And uh, Now, because you're a cooperative and uh, your interests are in um, the working, uh, jobbing um, filmmakers, you know, the cinematographers, mm -hmm. and you've got a broad range quite clearly. You talk to people from uh, big productions right through to indie. Um, yes, but the major uh, the mission, I, I would say, if I had to condense it, of the group is to try to help filmmakers keep up with new technology. Okay. Because it's just changing so fast that professionals can't keep up. So we do try to serve uh, professionals, and uh, we have a lot of noted uh, cinematographers in our group. About maybe half of the members of the ASC are also members of our group, and the ACS. A lot of a lot of ACS members too. One of the reasons why I wanted to speak to you is because uh, you have put out a. Um, uh, a film as well as I, I suppose there's a written version of getting safely back to work in the age of COVID. Um, America has obviously been really hard hit by uh, COVID. Um, can you this give us an, yeah? Can you give us an idea of uh, your approach and uh, what what are you offering? What are you saying to people? Well, it's uh, not comprehensive. Uh, nobody has all the answers, um, but I just wanted to uh, show some of the things that some of the people that I know are doing, uh, steps that they're taking to uh, try to help the situation. And uh, it's it's gotta be an effort, you know, if we're gonna get back to work safely, it's gotta get a, be an effort where people do all these different things together and, and that we work together to create a safe, uh, you know, a safe environment. Uh, so we got interviews with uh, somebody that works as a, um, on-set uh, COVID safety compliance officer. That's a new job that's been created in the last year. And uh, we talked about her, about what her job is. Uh, we talked to uh, Panavision, uh, the head of operations for Panavision, about what they did to make it safe for their uh, customers and uh, for their uh, employees, you know, how they, uh, the safety measures that they took uh, and we talked to a um, sound mixer uh, about the importance of uh, wireless communication uh, and how that's helping to get him safely back to work. Uh, we talked to uh, a, rep, a techni technician from Panavision and, excuse me, uh, Panasonic, and we talked to him about um, remote production and uh, how that's being used so that uh, you don't have to have as many personnel on the set. Uh, we also talked to somebody about wireless video and how um, wireless video, so people aren't crowding around a monitor, but uh, they can be uh, back a ways and they can even connect to the internet so that people can be participating from all around uh, and not have to be on set, you know, to promote social distancing. Do you, so that sort of thing. Yeah, yeah, that's really interesting. Uh, one of the things that uh, have been discovered in Australia, which has been less uh, a hard hit, uh, is uh, an increase in the use of Zoom, and also uh, so film festivals went online, uh, and as people are uh, going back to the cinemas, they're uh, still using some of the things they learnt through COVID and uh, digital. Uh, technology, uh, so they're fusing them. Do you think that perhaps the things that are going to be learnt from 
uh, COVID production are going to be fused into the future production? Well, uh, definitely. Um, many of these technologies were fueled by the pandemic, but they're definitely here to stay. And, you know, um, remote production is an example of that. Uh, but another one that I should have mentioned is uh, we did an interview with the Michael Cioni at uh, Frame.io, and he talked about uh, new technology going from camera to cloud. And that's going to that's going to save a lot. And there's also, you know, all the editors working from home now um, and uh, all the people doing all sorts of remote things. And uh, it's, it's going to be time saving. It's going to, you know, save money. It's going to save the environment because people aren't traveling all over the place. Uh, so there's many, many good things that'll, that'll come from it. Um, you know, it, luckily, because there's a lot of bad that came with the pandemic, obviously. And, um, and uh, you know we miss uh, we miss you know the camaraderie of you know being in person. I, I'm I'm personally a little bit tired of you know I have Zoom fatigue. You know I just got off a call about 15 minutes ago uh, with Zoom and there's all these seminars and things. So what we did we took a different approach. We wanted to do more like a mini documentary instead of a, um, a Zoom event. Well, we have done those, but I just uh, I'm a filmmaker, so I like the idea of making a, a film to get the information across rather than, you know, have a uh, a web event. Yeah, yeah. No, I can completely understand. Uh, I mean, it's, it, it's interesting. But uh, since we've been allowed to go outside and do more things together, it's almost uh, a stunning revelation of what social interaction really means. Yeah, the movie theaters just opened up uh, in Los Angeles two days ago, so <laughs> I haven't had a chance to go yet. But I'm eager. I've been vaccinated. Oh right, you've been vaccinated. Have you? Uh, how's things going in general uh, out there? That sounds like a good sign. Yeah, I think that things are picking up. I, I got work uh, tomorrow, and uh, you know, I've been. It's starting to pick up. It's uh, a lot of the uh, our sponsors are hurting, and uh, and that has meant that uh, they some of them haven't been able to support us, which is unfortunate. You know, understandable because they have to try to keep their employees on, and uh, so that's been tough. And so you know, people aren't spending money buying gear at the moment. I guess that's probably the the problem there. But uh, I think that uh, we're going to get busy again. We just did a, uh, a member survey too, that uh, where a lot of people were feeling pretty positive about uh, you know coming out of this, and uh, and I think you know I agree with them. Thank you. Thank you very much. Is there anything else you wanted to say that I didn't ask? Uh, no, but, uh, you know, if you would um, emphasize that we're a membership organization, that's, uh, uh, if anybody wants to check it out, um, they can join up and they don't have to pay. You know, uh, it's always free to students and it's, uh, it's always an initial uh, trial period. So if they want to go to the website and check out the, the Digital Cinema Society. It would uh, We'd appreciate it. There's strength in numbers, you know? Yeah, yeah. Thank you very much for talking to me. Oh, thank you. Thanks for the coverage. I appreciate it. Bye-bye. Good luck. Bye-bye. Thank you. Hi, we're the Marindas, and you're listening to 3CR Community Radio, Community Radio 855 AM. You're back with Annie on Showreel on the mighty 3CR, your community radio station. 
Film Victoria announced earlier in March, in partnership with Arena Media and SBS, a, a concept called Originate. It's an initiative designed to accelerate the development of uh, uh, creatively-led fiction features, turning early draft scripts into production-ready screenplays through a three-part process delivered by internationally renowned UK-based story developer Anjali McFarlane. At the end of the development phase, three projects will be considered for production finance and one will go into production in 2022 with a 1.5 million approximately total budget, um, of which the majority will be financed by Phil Victoria, SBS, Arena Media and local distributor North, South, East, West. Um, and it's going to get a, a um, premiere release on SBS. I spoke to Film Victoria's production investment manager, Alicia Brown, about the initiative aimed at emerging filmmakers. Well, you know, you're Film Victoria's production investment manager and I, I've, I'm ringing you up to talk to you about this fabulous thing called Originate. Can you give my listeners an idea of what's expected from Originate as a project? Yeah, look, I think... Well, I mean, I think in terms of the project and in terms of the stories we're looking for, we're looking for bold and kind of innovative storytelling and, you know, sort of fresh ideas and fresh approaches to um, topics. So we're really looking for, I guess, stuff that has that, that stands out, you know, that has like a, a point of difference to, um, to what we've sort of um, seen before. So, and that could be from a point of view, a perspective, do you know, the characters, anything along those lines, all the treatment of it, um, you know, we do, I guess we are sort of looking at, you know, lower budget stuff, but for me that doesn't mean that you have to compromise on the boldness of vision. Like you just have to find an innovative way to do that within the limitations of, of, of what, of what the, um, the program is. So you're, you're targeting um, low production uh, costs and it's uh, f- about fiction, fiction features, right? Yeah, fiction... So we want fiction. We want fiction features. Um, you don't have to have any credits um, already. We um, are doing the pilot program program um, this year, and of course we want to do more. So it has to, you know, about you know a story that's um, that works in a ninety minute um, format, and has to be fiction. And um, uh, the writers and directors have to identify with one of the um, the pillars of diversity that we've kind of specified in our um, in our guidelines. So it's it's kind of about finding that new talent in that space. All right. So are you talking about First Nations people from different uh, uh, sexual orientations, perhaps, or people who are, are from different um, uh, groups that uh, haven't been represented very widely on in uh, film? Yeah. Look, it's definitely about. Um, Finding underrepresented voices, and so um, if you have a look on our on the guidelines on our website, there's kind of a list of the of the general categories. But we're looking for underrepresented voices that um, people can self-identify with um, with whatever particular category that they feel comfortable with. But it really is about, I guess, look, I guess storytelling and getting a feature up is particularly hard, um, and I think it's it, it's especially hard for. Um, for people who perhaps haven't had as much access to the traditional pipeline um, as, as as we've seen in the past, so it's for us it's really about finding those voices and then 
scaffolding them with the right kind of oh, enough creative um, elements and financial elements that they can really have the best shot at um, at telling the best story. All right. So supports you want you want to be able to support people. So you're going to do it in a very practical way. You're going to you're aiming to support three projects ultimately at about one point five million dollars, which is a low budget um, film, uh, and you're obviously collaborating with other groups of people who have skills to lend these. Uh... Yes, yes, this is all about the scaffolding. We'll get people that know much more about it than we do. So um, we, how it's going to start is we're going to start with a, um, a writer seminar, which I think is about um, two hours a week over three or four weeks. And that's going to be um, run by Angelia McFarlane, who's um, a script producer out of the UK. And that's going to be a sort of a broad church of, um, of of people who get involved in that. And then we'll ask people to apply for the second stage where we'll take it down to six teams. And then those six teams will um, take part in a week-long intensive writer's workshop. And then from those six, we'll go down to the final three who will have about six months of bespoke development um, for their particular project. So, you know, one team might need a mentor director, the other team might need a casting workshop, the other team might need extra script resources, whatever it is for those particular projects that we'll, we'll, um, we'll build into that process. And then from that, we'll choose one film to go into production, as I said, as the pilot, but we are hoping to do more with the, um, with the, uh, yeah, the, the, uh, the aim being three at the end. Yeah, and we're partnering with Arena Media, um, who Rob Connolly and Liz Carney um, have a really long history of working in this space. They did Spear, Acute Misfortune, a whole bunch of films. Um, and they really give, I guess, what they offer is uh, best practice and a really strong sort of exec producing role to sort of help people through that process. We've got SBS on board as well. So the films will end up on um, World Movies, which isn't a bad place to um, to, to end up. And Arena's distribution arm, North, South, East, West, will also give it a theatrical run. And so it's 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 a little bit of a wonky phrase, but I guess it's a bit turnkey. It's about sort of having the structure there ready to go that um, films at this level don't normally have. So they'll get, um, you know, intensive development period, production, a theatrical release, and then they'll go on um, video on demand. It's a, it's a fantastic idea because it's actually... Uh... Uh, helping to uh, support the local film industry in a very grassroots way. Yeah, I'm. I'm really excited about. Um, I mean, I can't. I guess I can't stress enough. Like, it's about coming with an idea and an open mind about how you might want to shape that idea in the first instance. I'm really excited about. Do you know um, who we might be able to um, uh, help create the vision? Like, like who's out there and who's who's going to kind of come forward and be part of it. So like you said, uh, people can just have an idea, but obviously there are people who have skills already but who probably haven't had the um, experience of working within an industry framework. Is that what you're expecting? Yeah, we're expecting a bit of a mix. Um, as I said, like like um, anybody who um, hasn't had that experience yet, we will definitely be uh, building that around the program so you'll you'll get all of that in a really kind of authentic and intimate way um at the other at, at the top end we're kind of limiting it to writers and directors who have had no more than one produced feature film and um producers who have had no more than two so 
broad, broad range. Yeah, right. Okay. So what's the timeline uh, for, just so that the listeners who are interested in doing something with this, what's the timeline for uh, people to be looking out for? So applications are open now for the writer's seminar. So I encourage everyone to jump online and, um, and, and get in for that. And that just involves filling out an application form and I think a one paragraph on your idea. Um, and then uh, after that in May, that's when the um, intensive starts and then the bespoke development later in the year. We're looking at going into production in 2022. That's it for this week. Next week, I have a chat with Australian filmmaker Luke Eve, still holed up in COVID-ridden Spain, but who is finally getting a Netflix Australian New Zealand release for his film I Met a Girl, starting now in April. So if you have an account, look it up. Definitely worth a look. Have a safe Easter. Talk next week.
listening to a 3CR podcast produced in the studios of independent community radio station 3CR in Melbourne, Australia. For more information, go to allthews.3cr.org.au.